Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 24th of July 2016, entitled Failing to Consider, and the Bible reading is taken from Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Of course, as we look into the book of Haggai, there's many things we could look at, but I want you to really look at the main theme, thought, if you would, of how he begins this book and what God had used Haggai to bring to God's people at that time. In Haggai chapter 1, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read the first, the first nine verses. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Father, we thank you so much this evening that we can have this time together. Lord, I pray that you would take these verses before us and help us, Lord, to think upon these this evening. And we realize, Lord, Lord, that it's through the power of your spirit that these words need to be made alive into our hearts. Help us, Lord. You know each one here this evening. You know the needs. We pray, Lord, that you would take it and use us. The Lord, that in some way that you would use it that when we leave this place this evening, we'll be more like our Savior, nearer to Him than when we came. We give you the praise, the thanks, the glory for it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We find this term, consider your ways. God's people are being challenged to think about their ways and what it is. Now, what it, what it is in this passage that's in direct context is God's man here was, was alarmed because the people clearly had not considered the, the way that they were going. They had not considered their priorities. They hadn't considered the thing. The Lord had delivered them out of bondage. The Lord had brought them here, but Israel now wasn't taking the Lord's work very seriously. You see, so many times as we talked about this morning of looking back and remembering where the Lord has brought us from, 
The truth is, is that when we really begin to contemplate on what God has done for us and we focus upon him, we know that we can never praise him and thank him enough. And we know that he's the only answer to everybody that we know, that every neighbor that we've got, every soul that we work with, everybody that we come in contact with, we find that what happened here was, it said there in verse 2, this people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. You see, God had brought them out of bondage. They had spent 70 years in captivity. But now that God had brought them out and set them free and gave them all this stuff, they didn't have time. They had too many things of their own to be concerned with. They didn't have time for God's house. They didn't have time to build the Lord's house. And of course, he goes on telling them that they need to consider them, their ways that they live in their sealed houses while the Lord's house lies in waste. They're making sure that they've got a place to live, but they're not concerned about the Lord's. And he goes through there in verse 6, and he goes this, through this whole list that everything they're trying to, to do themselves, they sow a lot, but they get little in return. They eat, but it's not enough. They drink, but it's not enough. They clothe themselves, but they still aren't warm. They earn wages, but it's like just falling to the holes in the bag. It doesn't make its way around. They're, they're trying to do all these things. God says, consider your ways. And, of course, he goes and he tells them at the end. He gives them these instructions to, to go up into the mountains, to to bring the wood, to, to build the place that God has asked him to, and that he will be pleased with that, and he will be glorified in that. And of course, as we look around us today, we find that I believe that so many of the Christians today, just like God's people in that day, if those simple words could find their way into our hearts to consider our ways. I want us to think this evening on the simple thought of Failing to consider. When we fail to consider our ways, what it is that we're doing with our life, where is it that we're going with our life, what is it that we're trying to accomplish with our lives, many fail to really stop and think and consider their ways. They're just, just as God's people were here, they were just so engulfed in trying to make their living and have the things that they need, their food and their drink and their clothes and their houses, but they weren't considering the things of God. They were just, if you would, getting on with the necessary things. You know, so many times I hear people say, well, I've got to do this and I've got to be there. I, I don't have time. I'd love to be in church, but I just don't have time to be there because there's all these things that are necessary that I've got to do. We find that, I'm not saying this to be mean, but just like this is God's house. God has given it to us. God has supplied it for us. There's much, much, much work needs to be done on this place. But so many times when it comes time to do the work here, people don't have time because they've got too many things that are so necessary for them to do that they just don't have time to do the things at God's house. My simple thought is consider your ways. If that truly is true, then there's nothing to worry about. We know that things do happen and there are necessary things in life, but I believe that more often than not, we just don't really stop to consider our ways and what it is that we're doing. And of course, the Bible is full of people that failed to consider their ways. They failed to consider. I want to give you just a few of those this evening. Look back, if you would, in your Bibles to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, and here in verse 8, 
Well, verse 7, so you know who he's talking about. And then delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Why? For that righteous man dwelleth among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You see, Lot failed to consider his ways. He failed to consider the shame of Sodom, the shame of sin. We could read the whole story. We find if we go back and read that when he went there and he looked and he saw the, the great city and he saw all the exciting things happening, what did he do? He pitched his tent toward Sodom. He sat at the gate in Sodom, a city that signifies sin in God's word, a city that was filled with sin. But he failed to consider the shame of Sodom, the shame of the sin of all those there. And the Bible uses this term, he vexed his righteous soul. He failed to consider what it meant to tie himself so closely to the things of sin, to the world around him and all the sin that was there. In the end, Lot lost everything. He had to leave everything behind. Lot failed to consider the shame of an ungodly world and the influence that it would have on them. You see, so many times we think we can handle it. We look out there and we see the world and we see the things of the world and we pitch our tents towards that. We sit at their gates. We associate with the sinful people of the world. You say, but preacher, we are part of this world. And yes, and the Bible tells us that we're to go out and we're to witness to each and every one of them. But there's a big difference in trying to witness to them and get them over where we are than for us going and pitching our tents and living their lifestyles and their ways and sitting at their gates. Lot failed to consider. He failed to consider the shame of sin, the shame that was there in Sodom. He failed to consider what kind of an influence that that would have upon his own life. And the Bible teaches us, the Bible tells us very clearly that day by day by day, that sinfulness had its effect upon him. Lot failed to consider the shame of sin. We need to consider. We see sin all around us. We see the world all around us, and it's filled with sin. But we need to consider. We need to consider the sinful ways of the world versus the ways of God. We find if you look back into the book of Judges, we find another one that failed to consider in Judges chapter 16, notice what it says, picking up there in verse 4. It says, and it came to pass afterward that he, speaking of Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. Delilah said to Samson, tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. You see, Lot failed to consider the shame of sin. 
But Samson failed to consider the placement of his passion. He failed to consider where he was placing his love, his passion, and the cunningness of this woman in which he was falling in love with. You see, her daily influence began to take its toll. So many times in this world, again, we think we can handle it because it's not just in Lot's case where he failed to consider the general shame of sin in the world around him and he allowed himself to get too close to that and to get involved in that, to live amongst that. But here with Samson, it was his own personal passions. He failed to consider where it was he was going to place his love. He loved this woman. Notice what it says down in verse 16. It tells us there, it says, And it came to pass, what does it say? When she pressed him daily with her words and urged him. Wow, there's that same term again. So that his soul was vexed unto death. That he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once. For he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. Do you know? He didn't even know what had happened. Verse 20, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even realize that he had lost the presence of the Lord. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes, literally bored out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. You see, Lot failed to consider the shame of sin and he allowed himself to get too close to it and to be too much of a part of it, but Samson failed to consider the placement of his passion. He allowed himself to love somebody that didn't love God. And you've got to realize this, that Satan will use the people that are closest to you in your life. It says that she pressed upon him daily and daily and daily. She was a conniving thing. She never, ever really loved him and his God, but he allowed his love for her. He failed to consider in his love for this woman. He didn't even realize that the presence of the Lord had left him. He didn't even realize it. He jumped up to go out to take on the enemy, not even realizing that his strength wasn't there. Samson failed to consider just who it was that he was going to give his love to. And he failed to consider the impact that this one that he placed his love in would have upon his life day by day by day. Failing to consider. Failing to consider the shame of sin. Failing to consider the placement of our passion 
We find another that failed to consider. We won't read all of it, but if you were to turn over just a few pages in your Bible to the book of 2 Samuel, you'll find in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'm only going to read a few of the verses. You could read the entire chapter to get the whole story. But here we find the story of King David. A man that God tells us in another place was a man after God's own heart. But here in chapter 11, verse 2, it says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. She came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. You see, David failed to consider the price for his pleasure. He allowed his lust to get in the way. It is, this was just pure lust of the flesh. The Bible says he, he was there and he looked upon this woman who was bathing herself and, and she was beautiful to look upon and his desires built within his flesh. He failed to consider the price of what that would cost him. You can read the rest of the story, but look down what it says in verse 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now what happened was she went back to her place, but then David found out she was with child. And so the first thing he tries is some kind of trickery to get her husband to go and tell her. He brings him back off the battlefield. He wants to send him back to his wife so that he can think that it's his child. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. Well, he got Uriah back and he tried to send Uriah down to his whole house, but Uriah, he was such an honest guy. He was such a committed guy to his own king and to his own country and whatnot that instead of going back down there and washing himself and lying with his wife that night like David had sent him down to do, thinking that he could cover up his own sin, Uriah just camped out outside his door. He said, when David found out the next day that Uriah hadn't gone home, he said, well, yeah, what's going on? He said, well, how can I go down there and have all the comforts of my home and lie with my wife and all these things when men are out there dying on the battlefield? I can't do that. You see, he was a man of honor. So David hatches this other plan. He sends this letter down. And he asked that Uriah be put in the worst place that he could possibly be, the most dangerous place on the battlefield, and to leave him there so that he might be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. You see, David failed to consider the price for his own pleasure. He gave in to the lust of the flesh. We find that he pulled all these tricks. He tried to cover his sin. He tried to hide his sin. It then even led to murder that he committed to try to cover his first sin of fornication, of adultery. 
But notice in the next chapter, there was a big price that he had to pay for that. He says in chapter 12, verse 9, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight, David? Consider your ways. Why have you done what you've done? Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David, you didn't... Consider the price of what this personal pleasure would cost you. And as a result of what you have done, David, now you're going to face the sword for the rest of your life. From even within your own ranks, there are those that are going to come against you. And you're going to lose your wives to all the others, David. And of course, we know that probably the thing that most likely... <laughs> got to David more than any of the others was the fact that he was not allowed to build the temple. That was one of his greatest desires was to build the temple for his God. But in actual fact, he didn't get to do it. His son would do it after him. Why? Because David failed to consider the price for his pleasure. Failing to consider. Failing to consider the shame of sin the placement of our passion, the price for our pleasure. And of course, we find another that failed to consider. In the book of Daniel, chapter 5, the Bible tells us of this one called Belshazzar. You see, Belshazzar forgot to consider the penalty for his pride. One of the most destructive things that can get into our lives. It says here, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem. That the king, his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princesses, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. You see, Belshazzar allowed his power and his pride because he had that position. He could do whatever he wanted to do. But he failed to consider the penalty for allowing his pride his power to get in the way. It went to his head. You see, if you look down into verse 26, notice what it says here. This is the interpretation, the thing, many. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. 
Perez. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. All of his power, all of his riches, none of it mattered when it came to facing God. He had so much pride, he was flaunting the things of God, the things that had come out of the very temple of God, and they were just belittling them and and, and drinking wine out of them and, and making small the things of God. Because he could. Because he was a man that could make fun of those things and belittle those things and misuse those things. So he flaunted the things of God. He made light of them. He had the power to do whatever he wanted, and he planned to show that, but he failed to consider the consequences of God's judgment. Failing to consider the shame of sin, the placement of passion, the price for pleasure, the penalty for pride. Notice in Matthew chapter 26, the Bible gives us another illustration. In Matthew chapter 26, one of the most human figures in the Bible, Matthew chapter 26, we find that the story of Peter and his denial before the Lord. Notice as we move down towards the end of that chapter, I mean, Here's Peter. Peter saying, Lord, Lord, look, <laughs> they might all forsake you, but not me. I'm too good a Christian. I'm too committed. There's no way. They might all do it, but Lord, not me. There's no way that I'll do it. Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Notice what he says down in verse 69. Now, Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. You're one of those that was with that, that Nazarene, that guy called Jesus. Oh, not me. I wasn't one of them. When he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And I recognize this guy. Again, he denied with an oath. I do not know this man. An oath, swearing. No way. You're crazy. No way. I don't know this guy, Jesus. After a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then he began, what did it say that he done? Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which saith unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept. Bitterly. Peter failed to consider. He failed to consider the sorrow that would come from separation of the Savior. The sorrow that would come from allowing himself not to be identified with Jesus. 
He began by just putting a, a little bit of distance between himself and the Lord. I mean, the Lord's down there, and, and Peter's over here at the side, and he's still in sight. He's still there, but when it came down to it, oh, I don't, I don't know him. Somebody else, weren't you one of those Christians, one of those Jesus followers, one of those that walked with, I, I swear to you, I'm not one of them. No way I'm not one of them. And somebody else, you see, He's getting that little bit further away. He didn't recognize just how slippery the slope was that he was on. One step led to another, led to another. And finally, he's swearing and cursing. And there's no way in the world that I'm part of that group, that I'm identified with them. He failed to consider the sorrow of being separated from Jesus. He didn't realize until after it was too late. He didn't realize uh, the path that he was following when he considered later. The Bible says he wept bitterly. He was sorrowful. But if he had considered beforehand, he wouldn't have had to have been there. And I want to give you one more. In the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood and they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed, and went, and hanged himself. Judas failed to consider the Savior instead of the silver. He failed to consider the Savior instead of the silver. He never really began to consider what he was doing until it was too late. They, they offered him 30 pieces of silver just to betray Jesus. I mean, all, they, all that he had to do was just kiss him on the cheek, just show him which one that he was. But he failed to consider. And we find that it might be easy for us to point our finger and say, Oh, Judas, for 30 pieces of silver... I got news for you. Sadly, there are many, 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 many today that betray Jesus for a lot less than 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> they betray him for just what somebody else is going to think of them, or they deny him. They betray him because of the position they hold in this world, <laughs> because of all kinds of reasons, and even many times. As believers, so many times, it's not just because they don't know better. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, it says there beginning in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, 
And this will we do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the heavenly ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, and if they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him in open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh to cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You see, it's possible. It's possible for those that, that know the truth, that have tasted of the sweetness, that have come to recognize and, and, and know the truth, and yet it not truly, genuinely take hold in their lives. We find that we could go back and we could read the parables of the sowers and we find that there's nothing wrong with the seed. But too many times, the seed doesn't find its rightful place, the good seed, in the good soil. Consider thy ways. You see, the lost man must consider his ways, but as Christians, we need to consider our ways. These were all, in some way or another, people that followed God. Lot failed to consider the shame of sin, the influence that sin would have upon him. Don't be guilty of pitching your tent too closely to this world. Consider the shame of that sin. Have you considered the placement of your pleasure where it is that you place your love and the things that you care for, the placement of your passion, I should say. Who will you place your love on in this world? Do you realize that those people, they will have such a strong influence upon you day by day by day? What happened in the end? Samson just revealed the things of his heart because he placed his passion in the wrong place. Have you considered the price for pleasure for a season? The Bible tells us there's pleasure for a season in sin. David failed to really consider the consequences of what his sin would do in fulfilling that fleshly desire. Yes, it was a genuine desire, and yes, he fulfilled that desire, but boy, wasn't the price great that he had to pay for that? Don't be so foolish as to think that the devil can't put things before your eyes that would cause you to desire the wrong things. But think very, very hard about the things that you do to fulfill the pleasures of the flesh. Have you considered the sorrow of being separated from the Savior, <laughs> of being separated from Jesus? You see, sin separates. Peter never thought it possible 
And yet he just wanted to blend in. Step by step, he was just trying to blend in. But the more he tried to blend in with the world, the farther he put himself from Jesus until in the end, the sorrow overcame him because of what he had done. Have you considered the Savior instead of silver? Instead of the things of this world, the riches that this world can give you, Judas was more keen to take the silver that the world could offer him rather than to stick with the Savior. We just need to consider our ways. In Haggai's days, God's people were not considering the ways of God and and God's work and God's house and building his work and his kingdom because they were just going about living their own ways. God said, consider your ways. Consider what's really important. Is it more important for you to, to live in your houses and to try to do all these things yourself, or is it more important to put God first, to put his work first, to put his house first? You see, we need to all consider our ways because the devil's always going to try to bring temptations to us just as he did with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He tried to tempt Jesus. But we need to be strong and solid and say, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. It's not worth the consequences. Think about what we're doing. Some of them can seem so innocent, they can seem like they won't really matter, but the consequences can be horrendous. Father, this evening I pray that you'd help us all. But Lord, we're weak, we're human. It's easy for us, Lord, to have our attentions drawn in the wrong direction. Lord, there are many, many other examples, but these are just a few that you give us. And in, Lord, every one of these cases, these that were following you failed to consider their ways. Consider the path that they were taking. Consider what it was that they were doing. They failed to consider where that that would lead to. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Help us not to get so set up in our own houses, in our own ways, and the things that seem so necessary in our own lives that we fail to consider you, your work, your house, the things that are important in this life. Help us, Lord. Help us to consider our ways. Help us, Lord, to be a people that can be used of you. Father, may you use us individually, and may you use us corporately as a church. May you use us for your glory. We'll give you all the praise. All the thanks for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.